We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Did you just refer to him as a flapjack bully? Uh, uh, he's he's bigly. He's a huge bully. Oh, okay. Okay. He's a flat track bully. Flat track. Sorry, I thought I thought I thought you said flapjack. I'm like, who bullies a, a stack of flapjacks? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. I am your host, Mike Gottlieb, and with me, as always, is Andrew Laird. And Andrew, we have our special guest. Somebody who always makes Wallen. us a little smaller. Yes, that's right. He makes us a little smaller, even though he. Hold on, I have to scroll. He's in sixth place of the uh, of the Taga Premier Division. It's John Wallen, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Oh, maybe thanks, he can get guys. the Rotowire. Maybe he can get the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast bump in the standings now <laughs> that he'll be around such such uh, such illuminated minds, such as the number one and number two place teams. It's been brutal. I lost each of the last two weeks. I got, I mean, it wasn't even close. I got slaughtered by Neil Thurman. I think he put up like 178 points two weeks ago. Last week, uh, Mike, uh, who's uh, the reigning PXI overall champion, is in that league too. He handed me like a 100-point loss. So, I mean, it hasn't even been close. Yeah, Neil Thurman in third place, Mike Phillips in fourth. He of the uh, Talking Taka podcast, if I'm not mistaken. That's him, yeah. And each of them, each of them leap, leapfrogged, leap, leap, leapfrogged, leapfrogged. There we go. Leapfrogged me the week that they beat me. So I went from third to sixth in no time flat. Oof. 
Yeah, I'm looking at yeah, and and, and points scored too. Uh, yeah, even even uh, even Kevrov is is beating you on points scored. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so is his uh, his partner in crime, Rob Langevin, who uh, who also leapfrogged me this week on a little two match run. <sighs> Would you prefer to lose by seventy points when you, with like your opponent scores one hundred and seventy? I mean, like, like nobody was going to beat 170 points. So, like, I, I wouldn't even feel so bad about that. It's more I'd when you lose, 20. like, 100 to 30. <laughs> then you should yeah, feel no, bad. No, I don't feel bad. In fact, I'd rather I'd rather it be – I'd rather lose 170 to 20. You know what I mean? Like, just have the worst week against someone's best week. Like, oh, there was never any chance anyway. Right. Right. Here's a fun stat. If you combine my scores for the last two weeks, I still wouldn't have beaten Neil. <laughs> and that's nothing to, that's nothing to laugh at either like, I, I think most people actually if, if for 170 like that that's if you score 170 over two weeks that's not terrible yeah you could mm. win both of those yeah, yeah you, you totally could he actually he, i mean he obviously he benefited a lot he had harry kane and harry put up 48 48 and a half um the week that he scored his hat trick but he, you know he also started both um sec fabregas and pedro and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into those guys a little bit um, but you know, typical Neil fashion, you know, he, he bought in early and then he waited around for his expectations to catch up with their performance or, or the other way around. And, um, you know, he's on a little bit of a run now. So I definitely had Fabregas in this league at some point. I think I never did. Does I'm Neil still have Saito Barahino or did he give that one up? Uh, no, he does not. But I think that's only because he had to drop him to make way for this ridiculous five-match slate that we're going to talk about maybe a little bit. Because he has Chris Smalley, Andrew Herrera, Kevin DeBrunia, and Theo Walcott all on his bench, um, who will not play, as well as um, yeah, I don't want to hear Christian about it. Fuchs. So I don't, don't want to hear about it. I, I had a I had a six-person bench when, as you know, we only should have five. <laughs> it's because I, I've I've got I got slammed by the first set of empty game weeks. And it's only going to continue. Well, yeah, yeah, but it hurts. I mean, not that it hurts everybody, but it's the well, team. Yeah, that... Well, yeah. Well, this upcoming game week, which we'll talk a little bit about, that's where people are going to get absolutely destroyed uh, in terms of total players playing. Um, but I, I, I guess we'll, we'll we'll talk to John about that a little bit. Uh, you know, just as far as navigate navigating those waters. But I do want to kind of review uh, what we what we've actually just witnessed. Um, in game week number twenty six, but Andrew, Seven. I know you want. I know you had a You had a topic that you actually wanted to discuss at the beginning. Oh yeah, um, John and I were uh, chatting a little bit before, and I wanted to. Uh, we, we were talking about plans in the summer, and I was saying that I happen to have a wedding scheduled, not my own, for July first, which uh, isn't technically july 4th weekend because july 4th is like a tuesday so it kind of screws people because not everybody would get monday off because they get tuesday but anyway i was wondering what your opinion was on weddings scheduled over long weekends i mean it depends so for me it depends on the person so i went to seattle over memorial day weekend this past year for the wedding of a friend of mine and you know, I would actually it, it, and basically I rank the holiday versus the the value of the friend. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, am I willing to sacrifice the long weekend, or is, is this person important enough? Uh, and this is this week's episode of uh, Mike Gottlieb making socially awkward comments. <laughs> but but you, I mean, 
the way you described it pretty much describes how you feel about it, that you look at it as sacrificing your long weekend for this wedding. Not that you like happen to get an extra day. I mean, you're younger than me, so it takes you probably not quite as long to recover from weddings as, as it does me, because I still don't know how to control myself around open bars. But, um, I've grown to like them more because I get the extra day to recover. Um, but I also don't do anything anyway. So long weekends are just longer weekends to be at home. <laughs> so and this is the way that I'll, and, and I'll ask for, for John's opinion here. Um, so unless, I mean, cause basically if, if it's a, if it's like a friend that's like semi-casual or if it's someone who, you know, I don't have other common friends with, you're basically sacrificing a weekend alone to be among strangers who you may or may not like. That doesn't exactly, that doesn't exactly fill out your entertainment factor for, for a long holiday weekend. So, so John, do you, do, are you on the same mindset as myself or are you more aligned with, with Andrew? Yeah, I kind of I read it this way. Um, I would rather have a wedding on a long weekend than somebody doing something like and, and no offense if either of you gentlemen did this, but like having a wedding on a Friday, like that th- kind of stuff, like just drives me absolutely bananas. Um, <laughs> because I, I I get it, like you you know you you try and plan your wedding with yourself in mind, and you should, uh, but like. Every once in a while, you know, you just get one of those things and you're like, I'm, I'm so happy I get to go. I'm honored they invited me. But what the hell were they thinking when they planned this wedding? Yeah, I mean, uh, my, for religious reasons, my, my, my wedding had to be on a Sunday. You can't have a wedding during the Sabbath because uh, no, 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 no rabbi will actually will do the wedding during the Sabbath. So that takes out Friday night to Saturday night every single week. I was just about to say I went to a Sunday wedding that was not on a long weekend. That's the ideal weekend or the ideal long weekend situation, I would think. Yeah, I mean, Maybe it's, not, I mean, that I think about it. For okay, that, that, I mean, that's I mean, if you have your wedding on a Friday or a Sunday, that's actually also a good way to keep your costs down. That too. Not only for the price of the venue, but not as many people would want to go because <laughs> they can't get the day off. <laughs> hmm. hmm. A thief always recognizes another thief, gentlemen. <laughs> What do we think Christian Erickson thinks about uh, Friday weddings? <laughs> oh, yeah. We, you wanted to come on and talk about Christian Erickson, too. I forgot about that. This is what happens when we don't write anything down. Mike, John well, asked mean, me what we were talking about, and I was like, soccer? Stuff. Maybe some things. <laughs> anyway, Christian is soccer, Erickson. Is soccer an MLS-approved term? Are we allowed to use that? Do you guys have your press, uh, press credential feet sheet ball, in front of you? Right? I think feet ball, soccer ball, something. No, we don't have press credentials for MLS. I actually am. I actually am an accredited uh, Concacaf uh, member of the press. Concacaf, how'd you get that? Oh, well, you just skills. get emails. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but skills. Yeah. No, I got actually. I actually got uh, Concacaf. I got a media pass for um, the last tournament that was in the U.S. The ICC. There we go. That was the one. No, you're <laughs> you're mixing those up. ICC is not Concacaf. Sorry, not ICC. Um, was uh, what was the last Cup. tournament that was in the U.S.? Thank you, the Gold Cup. Yeah. Thank you. I get those emails too. We no, 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 no. I mean, I actually, I mean, I'm, I, I, I get, I'm going to get a press pass as well. Like those are the things that I've gotten in the past. So it's, I've never actually gone to one of the games, but I, I have, uh, I have gotten press passes before. You did go to the ICC one. Is that what they yes, got I did? There? Yeah. Yes. That one I did go to. <clears throat> yeah. That's when I got to sit on a Jose Mourinho press conference as if I knew <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> 
Oh God. But, uh, so actually, you know what? Uh, going back to Christian Erickson, his thoughts on Friday weddings would be, uh, he wouldn't like, uh, he would like them because most of the time Tottenham play on Sunday when they were playing Europa, but this year for, so, you know, it doesn't really matter to him. Saturday weddings would actually be worse for him because if he has a game, if he has a game on Sunday, cause Europa's on Thursday, he may not like that. Mm-hmm. So John, how's that analysis, huh? That's the, that's a very convoluted Tottenham or a sixth place club burn. <laughs> Well, I they're mean, very much not. Also, by the way, <laughs> At least not this, this not this season. Yeah, but uh, I know that you wanted to get to. I know you wanted to get to Christian Eriksen. So let's kind of we'll do this in a random order because let's be honest, it wasn't it wasn't a full slate of games. So we'll go to the Sunday game. It was Spurs four. It was Stoke nil. Uh, it was the Harry Kane show, really. If you think about it, it was Harry Kane with three goals doing things that Solomon Rondon will never be able to do. Andrew, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Delhi Alley actually scored a really brilliant fourth goal. Um, but uh, Erickson getting credited for two assists and Harry Kane, I'm seeing getting credited for one. But I saw Harry, uh, Harry, Harry Winks. Or didn't he get didn't he hit the free kick for for out for Deli Alley's goal? He did. The FPL site just does not show that as an assist. They, they'll give an assist for any fantasy assist. Oh, actually, while we're on this topic, uh, John Wallen, your thoughts he, on fantasy yeah. assists. That's wrong. That he didn't get the assist because we're showing him with an assist because he actually earned it. Yeah, I know, but the FPL website, the like huh. fantasy.premier.com, is not listing him as an assist getter. That's weird. Um, but while we're on this subject, Andrew and I have debated uh, over the past month or so, you know, fantasy assist. So if you draw the foul that leads to a free kick and the free kick is shot in, the person who drew the foul gets the goal. A uh, person who draws a penalty, if he doesn't take the penalty, gets an assist. Your thoughts on that rule overall? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm so confused here because a, you have to have fantasy assists. Um, I think they're they're integral. Uh, it's it's Andrew, I believe, who took the opposite position on this, and I think That's he's correct. completely wrong in that. It's I mean, a it's a game. You have to have like these other opportunities in which you can create these points. It creates excitement. But b like the player who is drawing that foul is actively involved, and if you're not crediting him with a fantasy assist there, you're you're negatively penalizing him for being good on the ball, right? I mean, if Eden Hazard runs down the wing and somebody comes in and intentionally fouls him because they're so concerned about what he's going to do once he gets close to goal, I mean, that deserves to be recognized in fantasy scoring. And the only way to do that, really, I mean, I guess if you wanted to just score fouls drawn you could do that and that would open up a a whole other category of scoring but the most direct way to do that is to say if you earn this uh very clear-cut scoring chance you you deserve it i i do understand why people get frustrated though mike i mean you know you have a ball pop around the box and somebody somewhere makes a subjective scoring decision about whether or not it touched uh, a third defender or significantly altered his trajectory or, you know, and then, and then you're sat looking there at, at whether or not it's technically, I mean, that's a fantasy assist, right? If it comes off a deflection or something. Um, I just, I happen to disagree. Like I want as many scoring opportunities as I can get. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I, I would simply I, I, argue that I would like more scoring opportunities for things that actually happen, like fouls drawn. <clears throat> I'm okay with. They did draw a foul. Yes, like I'm, and I'm okay scoring. for for giving credit for drawing a foul. I'm not for this hypothetical, because theoretically that should be a chance created as well, and it's not. I mean, that's the definition of a chance created, isn't it? 
Well, yeah, you also made this convoluted point about how pass interference in no, the NFL. Yep. But no, but that's not that's not actually the 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 definition of a chance created is very narrowly construed. It's the pass leading to an attempt on goal. So like it very specifically has to be a pass. Like you don't get a you don't get a chance created for a shot that hits the post. That maybe I have the problem that an assist that's, that's exactly happen. right. Sure. That's so a, I, that's a perfect example, Mike. What was the example? That a shot that caroms off the post and goes towards somebody else. Let's just say Jermaine Defoe to Fabio Barini, who can't hit the broadside of a barn with yeah, a header. Right. That is um, actually, but just just to let you guys know, I actually got I actually was reading the wrong week. It was Spurs three, Everton two, yes. and uh, it was still Harry Kane and Deli Alley who scored Kane. goals. <laughs> but that's why I was dead quiet there because I was trying to yeah. sort through that. I'm like, I think he's reading the wrong week. Hold on. <laughs> he totally is. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, Deli Alley did get an assist as well, and then it also assist for uh, Ben Davies and and Winks got an assist as well. Yeah, everything is good with the world. Good. Okay. Um, but for Everton, um, they got I think. For Everton, I, I mentioned this last week on the podcast, Andrew. Romelu Lukaku is – he's just a man on fire right now. And if you turn off for one second, he's going to score mm-hmm. at this point. And and so we've talked about that before. And, John, I just wanted to get your thoughts here. As far as Lukaku, is he, you know, is he someone that has shown enough consistency this season that he's ready to take the next step to lead – you know, like a cha- like a like a Champions League club, whether it be Chelsea or somebody else. I mean, absolutely. We had this debate. Um, Shane, Mike, and I over on Talking Taga had this debate about Lukaku last week, and the debate was whether or not he is the most valuable player in the Premier League in a keeper format for fantasy purposes. I mean, he's still just twenty three years old. He's he's absolutely insane. I think Andrew tweeted out, uh, you know, the the West Brom stat. Um, yeah, it was uh, 17 he goals. 17 goals when he was in his age 20, 17 league goals in his yeah. age 20 season, right? I mean, yep. it's, it's it's mind-boggling. Um, my personal favorite thing about uh, about Lukaku is something I, I wrote in my um, in my column this week, and it goes directly to the fact that it's not just that he's sort of lethal when he gets the opportunity, it's that he's really, he's driving to try and take opportunities more frequently now than he has at any other point in the season. In the last four matches, he has 10 total shots on target. Um, that's come against Bournemouth, uh, Borough, Sunderland, and Tottenham. He's scored six goals in, in those four matches, obviously four of them at Bournemouth. The only other time this season that he's had a, a four-match span where he's had 10 shots on target was uh, game weeks two through five, and that's because he had six shots on target against Sunderland. I mean, he didn't really space them out very evenly. Um, you know, it's... It's his team, I think. Um, I don't know that Everton can hold on to him. I think it's a bit of a shame from a a sort of global standpoint. But, I I mean, I think it's fantastic that Everton don't have any other real commitments because he's just going to be a Premier League beast for as long as he's there. Yeah, and for for this game, it was what was nice is that the predictable names, except for Christian Eriksen, actually got onto the score sheet. But for – can you settle a debate that Andrew and I have had casually over the past few weeks as well. Uh, Andrew says that if Solomon Rondon was on Spurs and Harry Kane was on West Brom, that Solomon Rondon would have similar numbers to Harry Kane. I'm not sure that's exactly what I said, but sure. Whatever you need to, however you need to phrase that, 
to make it fit your phrase, phrase it the way you want to phrase it because I've said that you have vastly underestimated what it, Harry Kane does on the pitch. It was all very simply is Salomon Rondon better at Spurs? It ended there, and you decided to take it much further by saying he would be as good as Harry Kane. Let's let, let's take it one step further. It was if more Christian how much... Erickson were playing for West Brom. I think that Solomon Rondon would be as good as Harry Kane has been for Spurs. How's that? Is that far enough uh, oh, to the other side? God, you guys are all wrong. <laughs> um, I love that know, I answer, by the way, John. That was a great answer. <laughs> there's a very good chance that Rondon could could have significantly better numbers. I mean, when you look at the sort of the paucity of chances that he's handed, you would actually for the reputation that Solomon Rondon has, right, and, and in FPL circles, that reputation is he's only valuable when he's scoring goals. Fortunately, he scores enough goals to merit whatever the price, you know, is because it's never very much. But he's he's actually he he squanders you know a number of chances. I mean, West Brom don't create no chances for him. Um, it's just that barring this uh, this sort of uh, renaissance season from Matt Phillips and maybe a little bit of a resurgence from Nasser Chadley, who had that 11-goal campaign a couple of years ago, um, Albion don't have anybody else to target. And you can very, very effectively mark Solomon Rondon out of a match. I have never seen Harry Kane effectively marked out of, let's say, three matches in a row. Um, I think he doesn't play well all the time. Certainly he's had massive scoring droughts like he did um, at the one to start this season. But even in those games, he wasn't being marked out all that effectively. I mean, he did get three, you know, he got three shots on target in game week eight against West Brom, actually, since we're talking about it. They just all got saved. The week before that, he got two shots on frame um, against City. He didn't get a goal. Two shots on frame and two chances created, excuse me, um, seven chances created against Stoke in week seven. I mean, he wasn't... Oh, and I'm quoting all of Christian Eriksen's stats because I no, just say, confused the two like, of them. This sounds yeah, yeah. Hold on, let me pull up. Although I that did pull up, um... that does kind of lead to my because the way this Eriksen thing started was I commented on how he takes so many shots and so few of them go in, and I blamed Harry Kane for that because if Kane's such a great finisher, why doesn't he just teach Eriksen how to put the ball in the net? Hold on, wait. <laughs> Erickson's taken the second most shots. Those who can't, those who can't do, Andrew teach. Um, so I had Harry Kane last season up, um, overlapped with Christian Erickson this season, and just hilariously, they both start the season with like these massive, mm-hmm. like twelve match non-scoring runs. But um, this season, Kane hasn't gone more than hasn't gone more than four matches without a goal. Um, he started with three matches without a score, but he did have an assist, and then he scores in two in a row. He misses six matches five six matches comes back and scores three goals in his first two hits another brace misses uh doesn't get goals in three straight then scores three in his next two and six in his next four i mean he's he's been phenomenal this year um you know what are you gonna do not get solomon rondon as a replacement that's what you're gonna do well, let me ask you this. I mean, where were you guys on the whole, oh, well, we'll just get rid of Fernando Lorente and bring in Misi Bashuai, you know, thing with, I mean, Mike, I know you were very happy with the idea of getting um, Lorente to come in and, and back up Diego Costa. And, you know, oh, God. Like, <laughs> but, I mean, like, people were saying, oh, well, it's just a like-for-like replacement, and it's no big deal. I mean, what Lorente is doing, Bashuai could easily do. And I think Lorente's proved, like, he's a pretty good player in that swan system, and he's a player that... Um, you know, Paul Clement, and, and we'll get to Paul Clement and Andrew's hot take on him later. But, like, it's it's one of those things where 
I, I don't think you can just look at a player's skill set, say, yeah, they do have the same skill set. And I do believe that Solomon Rondon and, and Harry Kane have the same skill set. Um, it's just Kane is Kane is built for those tactics and, and he understands them well and he knows where to turn up. And you don't see that from Rondon. You see him getting marked out of far too many matches. As or as I will say, the only way he scores now is with his hands. Like he has to pick up the ball and just run it into the net NFL style at this point. Hmm. All right, let's get to Manchester United Bournemouth. We've talked way too much already. Uh, this was obviously a very interesting game, but not for the actual game itself, uh, unless you want to count the, the Tyrone Mings, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, physical altercations as a match of its own. Um, I saw that Zlatan took his three-game ban, and he should because he earned it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I haven't seen anything about Tyrone Mings come down the pipe yet, but I think he should get more, more of a suspension. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? I think he should get four, four to six games, somewhere in that range. Why? Uh, when you use your cleats as a weapon, uh, that is, that is something that has to be monitored much more than, you know, a, you know yes, the elbow is bad. It is, especially because it was led with the point, the things I hate. Right? You leave with the point of the elbow to, an, a player, to a player's head intentionally. I do not like that. However, when you use a, like a, like a pointed metal object to hit down at somebody's face while they're prone on the ground, that's worse. Um, it's worse. Yeah. But I'm not, do they even do that? Like, I'm not sure they're in the business of grading violence. I think it's a violent conduct charge three games. He hasn't, I don't think he has any, uh, reds this season to extend it. So I think it's, I think he'll get his three and that's it. It's just, I don't think it matters. It's going to, I mean, they've got, he's been horrible. I mean, or at least he hasn't been nearly as good as. They were hoping he'd be. That's why he's only playing because Daniels is out or Francis is out. He's playing so. out of position too. That doesn't help. But my, my, if you if you said you know, man A on the street uses like pointed metal object to swing at a man who's laying on the ground prone, uh, you that would be uh, that would be viewed more harshly in society than someone who swings an elbow. I'm just it would it would be assault with a weapon. You know what I mean? Like it's not. Like, I don't know. Again, John, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to settle this debate here. Do you feel that Zlatan should get equal suspension, less than or more than for than Tyrone Mings? Well, I think ultimately he is going to get less than. Um, they they do grade um, those types of charges, and the FA came out in the immediate aftermath um, through an unnamed uh, FA official and said that they were contemplating seeking. Um, harsher charges uh, excuse me a harsher penalty for Ming so I think the reason that we may not have seen that decision yet and, and at the time of recording I haven't seen it it may be public I just haven't seen it um, is because I'm I'm suspecting that he will get a four or five or six match ban and that um, Bournemouth because they have really no option are going to have to appeal that it's and again I Thank you, John. For you're one for one on your arguments tonight. I'm, I'm very, you know, batting 500. It's it's not it's not terrible, but we'll we'll, we'll make it get better in a little bit. Uh, it, it's just something that, to me, you can't use your cleats as weapons. Like, you just can't. Like, you, it's just like a hockey player with a stick, right? You got you have to be in control of it at all times. Okay. All right. All right. So the game itself, Manchester United won, Birdmouth won. Uh, Arthur Boric, to me, was the star 
And uh, John, I'll start with you. Uh, David De Gea recording zero saves, and is he someone you know? Everyone thought of him very highly going into this season. Um, the numbers so far this season have they backed it up? And do you see it getting any better with Manchester United's, you know, def- you know, Mourinho system now? Like they are using it now. They're playing more defensively, and they're playing for low scores and draws, and maybe some some low scoring wins. I'm in. In De Gea's defense, he's the third overall scoring goalkeeper in the official game. He is the fifth overall scoring goalkeeper in the Taga game. And this is without recording terribly many saves. Um, I want to say that he's at like 55 saves. Is, is, I mean, it's somewhere right in that range. He certainly doesn't have um, he certainly doesn't have like a massive amount. And this getting it done with clean sheets of late has, has been great. He's now he's only three clean sheets behind Thibaut Courtois for the league. He has ten, which is level with Hugo Lloris. I think, I think the, that you know the the goal's unfortunate for him there. He's obviously just you know he's the one goal. It sounds horrible to say, but he's the, he's the one goal away from the clean sheet. But in, in a match that was that poorly played by United from the opening whistle, I'm not worried about him. Um, I'm not necessarily using one of my three United players on him, and I don't love the price tag at 5.4 in the official game. But if I'm playing in a draft game, uh, I'm certainly considering you know him an every week starter. I think he's a he's a top 10 option every single week. And uh, you guys would know better than I, but I mean his price doesn't seem so far out of whack if you're playing you know on a daily fantasy cash game site that you wouldn't want to consider him um, you know when the matchup is right, particularly when he's uh, when he's playing at Old Trafford. And Andrew, you know, a similar vein of questioning here, like, you, you know, because, you know, the number of clean sheets is high, but the number of saves is low. Um, you know, yeah, we, we've talked about Antonio Valencia being one of the highest crossing fullbacks, too. But, um, you know, Manchester United's defense and goalkeeping, would you try to buy into them or would you try to sell off? Um, I don't ever go out of my way to, like, acquire a goalkeeper. So I, I would kind of separate De Gea from... Valencia. Uh, everybody got very excited about Luke Shaw coming back. I don't know if this is kind of what Mourinho did with Mkhitaryan and Martial, and now it's Shaw's turn to finally come back, or if it was just kind of a one-off, and we'll see Daly Blinn back there. But um, I mean, I, I I have Valencia in in a few different season-long formats. I usually consider him in Daly, so like he's he's usually the only one I'm looking for. Like Shaw has just been such a disappointment there that he doesn't really do it for me. So Valencia, and if Blind gets that job back, he's obviously one to go to go after, in my opinion. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about this so many times. You know, the, the Manchester United midfield, you know, what, what do you what, I mean? It, if Martial classifies as a midfielder for you, you know, I think I, I, we talked about this last week. Is he someone that, Andrew, you think is consistent enough to 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 warrant an every week start? Uh, for Mourinho or well, yeah, expa- you, you can expand it to Mourinho, but like let's, let's let's say he is consistently getting into the Manchester United lineup. Is he someone that will do enough to warrant his price tag, whether it be in the official game or you know, obviously in Taga? If you have him and he's starting, you're going to play him, but. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the nice thing about the official game is that he's midfield eligible, and I I do believe in a Mourinho defense enough that they'll get you know he'll pip a few clean sheet points. But 
He's actually been crossing a lot, so it makes him a little more valuable, like on DraftKings than than a lot of the other formats. Um, he doesn't connect on any of them, so it, it really is like a DraftKings only one. So, but I mean, I, I don't I don't see like a goal explosion coming out of him, and ultimately, that's what you're getting him for in in most of these other formats. He doesn't create a ton of chances. He does nothing on the defensive end. And he's not like a high volume shooter either, so he's not going to end up getting you know four or five shots on target every game. So um, I just kind of talk myself out of him apparently. <laughs> so, how, how do you even find a place for him in your team? I mean, there's no way I would ever own him. If I owned him, I mean, I'd, I'd be running him out every week at the official game. But at nine point two million, he's only uh, he scored more than three points just five times this season. Yeah. You know, he had, and he's only had double digits twice. You know, one of them was just you know two weeks ago, whatever it was against Watford. But I mean, so what? <laughs> like, it, yeah. you know, before that he had uh, zero, 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 two, zero, two yeah. points in the five matches preceding that. I think the, the yeah, problem so, is that there, because there are so many other possibilities uh, on United, like if Mkhitaryan comes back and they, or they could throw Mata out on that side, like there's just for specifically for FPL, when you don't know who's in the lineup and you can't make any changes, like, you know, he could be pulled at any moment and they're, you know, Ibrahimovic isn't going to get pulled and Pogba's not going to get pulled, but he definitely could be. Well, someone who's been really frustrating, uh, you know, because when you see him play, he's play, like he looks like he's that energetic and exciting. Uh, but I, do you think that Marcus Rashford, John, is going to actually take Zlatan's place for the next three games? Or do you feel like they're going to, you know, maybe put Wayne Rooney up there again and see what happens? Yeah, I was reading uh, Samuel Lucker's column um, for the Manchester uh, Evening, whatever it is, News, Manchester, yep. whatever, evening yeah, news. Evening News, there we go, and um, his lineup looks looks right to me, and that's Martial and Mata flanked out to the wings with um, Henrik Mkhitaryan, who's going to be coming back from injury, slotting in directly behind Rashford. I think that makes the most sense. Um, Ander Herrera's been so damn good that if you can leave Herrera deep-lying, you give Pogba just free run of the middle of that midfield, I, I don't think there's any harm in uh, in Mourinho giving, uh, handing the reins to Rashford because, I mean, realistically, he's all he's asking him to do is link up on one pass and take a shot. Like the quality in the rest of that team is so good that Marcus Rashford's lifting is is minimal, and um, and he's already shown you know he's he's perfectly capable of uh, proving everybody who looks at the math uh, wrong, and he can re- in short bursts retain this absolutely insane uh, conversion rate. And on the Burmese side, that's a very good point, and I do like that lineup. Uh, but on the Burmese side, is. I mean, Ryan Frazier did next to nothing. So, I mean, they didn't have many corner attempts, so that, that didn't help. But is there really any source of, of fantasy goodness here except for maybe the occasional Arthur Boric uh, explosion in saves, uh, Andrew? Uh, I mean, Josh King is on quite a run. Obviously, he takes penalties for them. And with Ryan Frazier on the, on the field, you're always, you know, you have somebody who's gotten very good at drawing those. But... Um, he, I think King's kind of in a class by himself. Obviously, the days of Junior Sanislas are long gone, and you know we're not <clears throat> expecting much out of Jack Wilshire. Or you know we liked the fullbacks for a while, but <clears throat> Francis has been hurt. Adam Smith hasn't really done much, and um, Daniel's kind of the same way that we're just you know they're not moving up as much as we expected them to. And uh, Benikafobi started this one, didn't 
make much of an impact, so I don't know if he's going to keep that spot or not. But uh, Josh King is pretty much the only guy I'm looking at from Burnmouth. And so, John, I mean, I know that Joshua King is a forward for um, for, for Taga, but I think in the and, official and, and game for he's... <laughs> That's not always true. When Callum Wilson was there, he was playing as like the midfielder right behind I was going to say he but... started as a midfielder in this United game because Ophobie started up front. Correct. So you know, he's actually, I think, classified as a midfielder in the official game. Yes, yeah. At 5.5 million, yep. Yeah. So uh, uh, what, uh, what my question was to you, obviously Joshua King has significantly more value as a forward than a midfielder, correct? Yeah, I mean, in particularly in our format, um, he's he's quite valuable because he does have some of those same qualities that you look for in those other sort of attacking midfield forwards. You know, he's not an out-and-out striker. And... Um, and due to positional scarcity, yeah, I mean, he's he's probably a top 15 forward right now um, whenever a phobie doesn't start. And then he only falls back maybe five slots to, to just inside the top 20 when a phobie does start. Yeah, so, uh, all right, perfect. Yeah, and actually, I want to get to another underrated forward right now. Uh, I want to go to the Stoke uh, Borough game here. So Stoke finished 2-0 with Arnautovic scoring twice, once from... Glenn Whelan and the other from Peter Crouch, who I believe has been one of the more underrated forwards since he's gotten the job consistently. Not because he, I mean, yes, he scored a little bit, which helps. Uh, but when he, he wins like eight to 12 aerial duels, uh, that's incredibly useful for a forward to get those points to lift his floor. Uh, because, you know, it's not like that's going to go down from Stoke. They are going to, you know, hit the ball up for him to knock down John, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right that Crouch is, he's underappreciated. Um, you, you know, you own him in at least one league and, uh, you know, you benefited from that, but he's only 49% owned in Taga. And for people that don't know in draft leagues, um, you know, somebody like Sergio Aguero is a hundred percent owned because somebody in a draft league owns Sergio Aguero. Somebody in a draft league owns Romelu Lukaku in half of our draft leagues right now. Nobody owns Peter Crouch. And given the scarcity of the position and, uh, you know, his outstanding production when he has played, it's it's unforgivable. Yeah, and I think that aerial duels, because we see it sometimes with Sam Vokes, we see it a, a couple of times from just other forwards. I think that's the stat where if you need to go with like a, like a bargain bin or someone who's, you know, you're looking to pick somebody up. And you just want you don't you don't need them to win you the week. You just need them to not be terrible, especially with these empty game weeks coming up. Andrew, is, I mean, for forwards, is that a stat that you'll be looking at, or are you looking at something else? Uh, you know, it's it's like a tiebreaker more than something I directly look for. But I mean, when it comes to forwards, it's always shots is always the one I'm looking at to start um, because I mean, ultimately, you're getting these guys. You're hoping for goal upside with these guys and. Usually you're not scoring if you're not taking a shot. But, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly helps to – for. Uh, but, I mean, am I correct in saying that forward um, aerials are less for – or aerials are less for forwards than defenders? Or do I have that turned around, uh, John? Um, aerials are – yeah, they're a half a point each for forwards right. and midfielders, and they're a full point for defenders and, and whenever a goalkeeper earns one. Right, so even like, you know – that's we're looking at four to six points out of Crouch, which could be literally everything that he does. So, um, <laughs> you know, from a forward standpoint, like I said, it's a it's a tiebreaker, but it's not it's not one it's not a stat that I go out of my way to target. 
I mean, he does yeah. have an absolute ton of them. He's fourth. Yeah. In, he's fourth in 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 all players in um, in aerial duels one, and I mean, he's got like almost 150 of them. So. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I've noticed because he's on my team in the Tiger Premier League, and I'm starting him pretty much every week for that reason. Like it's, you know, I I, I can my debate is always between starting a fourth defender or starting Peter Crouch. Hmm. You know, am I going three five two or am I going four five one? Because Diego Costa has been great, but uh, it's you know that's just the debate that I have all the time, and most and I just I can't. I can't see because especially with his goal upside. Well, that's such a strange way of putting it. He has a he has a better chance to score a goal and get a significant amount of points better than a defender does. But and with his aerial duels, you like like you said, Andrew. I think I think you're right. The tiebreaker, um, the tiebreak that actually that actually is the tiebreaker that I'm using. And I'm not even even looking at shots because like, I I know I'm not going to get a high shot forward anytime soon in that 12 team league because they're just not going to be available. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually, it leads me to it leads me into you know the surprise start from Middlesbrough to giving a start to Rudy Gested, hmm. who also has a similar frame. He's very tall. He's very strong. Well, Crouch is not strong, but he's very tall. Um, but with Rudy Gested, is he somebody that if they continue to hand him starts, is he someone that you know no. he may not have the highest shot total, but I mean, he's going to. I mean, Middlesbrough, what they're are they trying to just get the ball in the air and be more direct? I'm I'm never I'm never going out of my way to get Rudy Gestad. I loved him last year. I'm just rehashing an old conversation. <laughs> yeah, and and um, they went down. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe. <laughs> that's a good point. All right, I I was I, I I just wanted to talk a little bit about Burrow, and I I have uh, we've we've covered them. They they don't score goals. That's just the, that that is a problem they have. Uh, they can be as good they can be as good as they want defensively, but if you score no goals every game. You're not going to do very well in the Premier League. Yep. All right. Leicester continue their championship form. Uh, they're, they've beaten Hull 3-1 at home. Uh, Christian Fuchs goals in consecutive games. And Riyad Mahrez uh, showed his old uh, form with a couple of stepovers and a, a nice shot that Yakubovic, let's be honest, he should have saved it. Right, Andrew? He should have saved both goals that he allowed. That's correct. Yeah, he can't save the Huddleston one. That would be a little difficult. Um, but for uh, uh, for but John uh, Camille Grosicki uh, for for Hall, he's been a revelation of the past couple weeks. Yeah, I love him. I mean, he's he's featured in every single pickup column we've had on Taga um, since game week twenty four, game week twenty five. Um, you know, assists in back to back matches now, and um, he's getting full ninety. I don't think he's I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, you know, he's still relatively inexpensive at 5.5 if you're playing in the official game. He's an amazing differential. He's only owned by 0.2%. Um, you know, given Hull has uh, no blanks and they have this really nice run for the next next eight weeks or so, right? I mean, right up through the through the end of April, they only have one real bad match, and that's away to Manchester City. I mean, I guess, you know, um, with, without a blank, if you're using a, a wild card in the next, you know, day to try and um, fill in your roster or if you're if you're going to take a four or eight or even 12 point hit to make sure that you have lots of uh, players in the official game I think Krasicki is definitely a player worth targeting and you get the upside of low ownership um, guaranteed probably 90 minutes and the fact that he won't blank so you're not going to have to take a, a hit on the back end to get him back out in two weeks yeah I, I was debating 
I was debating uh, two weeks ago and last week, you know, should I pick up Grosicki or should I pick up Lazar Markovich, who had shown signs of life again at Hull because he's getting a chance to play. But, uh, you know, I watched this game. I watched the Leicester Hull game a little bit, and Markovich just gave the ball away at almost every possible chance that he could have had. So it was it was as if he was still playing for Liverpool, but it, it just it didn't it didn't work out. It just it's it just wasn't working out for him against Leicester. Um, on the Leicester side, uh, I saw a headline that I thought was really really terrible called "Beware the Sides of March" because Craig Shakespeare has been named the manager. Andrew, oh. um, just that's like that's like as if I wrote the headline. I was just about to say. Is that really a headline, or did you just want to blame somebody else for that terrible joke? No, I, I, I I'm telling you, I, I think I saw it on Facebook. I think it was the, I think it was the Sun, because I tried to click the link, and my browser came up saying that the site was blocked due to security reasons. Yeah, I thought you were just gonna have like 48 pop-ups, and those English <laughs> sites are just terrible to get through. Um, yeah, lots of clickbait. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to th- like. I still want to not believe Lester, as weird as that sounds. Like I was very convinced that they were awful and now that they have been not so awful it's kind of throwing me a little bit i'd like to see them you know uh perform i guess that liverpool win was a was a big one but i don't know it's just the the recency to score six goals in two games after going scoreless in six in the premier league like something i'm not sure where to go with this I'm at a complete loss about Leicester. <laughs> I, for me, it just it looks like they got the new manager bounce, right? They 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 kicked out the guy they didn't like. They they brought in a guy who they like maybe a little better, and now they're playing the way that they played last year with the intensity that you did you like to see. Uh, John, is it something that simple, or have you seen something you know that that's not just based on storyline? That's actually on X's and O's. Yeah, well, let's start with um, don't buy the sun, and then on <laughs> Lester. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, if if I'm the board, I am selling every one of these undermotivated, like spoilt players who couldn't be bothered to kick a ball in anger for Claudio Ranieri for 25 weeks and then came out and thrashed Liverpool um, by playing the exact tactics that you need to thrash Liverpool. Um, I don't love Leicester right now only because, you know, they blank in 28. They have to go to West Ham. And I don't know why, but I kind of see that as a trap game. Um, I, I think that so I, I kind of rule out 28 and, and 29. And then they are still carrying this extra match, which is eventually going to get slotted back in, which is going to give them a double, which you might think would be beneficial. But given all the rumblings that the double game week might end up coming in game week 37, that would give Leicester a double game week of Manchester City and Arsenal both away. Like, I don't, I don't want to start anybody in that match. I mean, I guess I would start Vardy as my third forward and, and just kind of hope that he panned out. Um, but, you know, I'm probably looking at, you know, one of their midfielders or maybe, you know, somebody like Christian Fuchs or somebody like that. Uh, there's there's no value in it to me. Uh, I can find a, a more consistent player that's in the same price range that has more upside, and I don't have to feel awful about Claudio Ranieri enjoying his gardening leave every time I score points. <laughs> Uh, I I think Christian F- I will have Christian Fuchs on my fantasy NFL football team before I have him on a fantasy FPL team because he is going to be a kicker at some point in the NFL. But that day is not today, and I just I just don't see the value in anybody in Leicester. Um, I'm with you guys that I'm not buying into it. I just you know we had the same conversation last year, at least I did, about the Chelsea players, right? I wanted them all gone because they couldn't kick a ball from Mourinho and they didn't like them, right? 
like it's just the, the storyline is the the, the storyline happens again. It's just you know substitute Ranieri with Mourinho and Leicester with Chelsea. Um, I think it, the situations it, it are is, a bit different. Same it, result, but are they? Yes. Are they? They're yes. both both coming off a championship season. I, I think Mourinho was the cause of making his players sad, and I think Ranieri just couldn't get his players to care. I think those are very different. I will say from a historic perspective, it's just as shocking to me that Chelsea wins the Premier League as Leicester. This year? Oh, just in general. (laughs) Another team that would shock you if they won the Premier League would be Swansea, but they did pick up a 3-2 victory over Burnley. Uh, That's only because Burnley was on the road and not at home. Uh, They couldn't continue their their drawing ways on the road here. Um, Burnley couldn't. a surprise omission of Tom Heaton made me very upset because mm. um, basically all my draft leagues, I had to pick up a goaltender, which is never what you want to do. Um, but for Swansea, Llorente scored twice. Martin Olsen, two ga- uh, just like Christian Fuchs goals in consecutive games. Uh, Andre Gray scoring twice for Burnley, once assisted by Vokes, once assisted by our favorite, Andrew, Robbie Brady. Uh, and one of uh, you and Neil's favorites, John, was uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson grabbing an assist along with Leroy Fair and Tom Carroll, who's had a little bit of a resurgence under Paul Clement's Swansea side. Uh, I, I heard someone had a take on Paul Clement. I think it was Andrew. I was wondering what it was. I didn't think I had oh, yeah. one. I, I believe it was. Um, I said Paul Clement is an excellent appointment as Swansea city manager. And your response to me on Twitter was he has no experience in a relegation battle. Oh, that was, that was not my, that wasn't a, uh, an original thought of mine. I stole that from everybody else who was saying it. Ah, but not me. But (laughs) that being said, it was true. (laughs) He does not or did not. I'll also (sighs) point out that Brady's assist was a fantasy assist. And I'm going to point out that Roy Halladay has no postseason pitching experience. I mean, like, it's it's preposterous. Uh, Brandon Marshall has no postseason <laughs> experience. That's actually true, yes. <laughs> hey, Andrew, uh, what, team, uh, what team has he played for most recently? Uh, the Brandon Jets. Marshall? Yeah, the Jets. What's your favorite team? I like, well, favorite is a tough one because that implies that I just don't hate them all the time, but it's the Jets. I'm actually wearing a Jets t-shirt as we podcast here. It's either a Jets t-shirt or it's a Christian Benteke Aston Villa jersey. It's one of the two. <laughs> right. Wearing he a knows t-shirt a might qualify you to be on the 53-man roster, so I'd watch out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A- Andrew knows a winner when he sees one. Oh. Thank God for Villanova. <laughs> and thank goodness for Gilfie Sigurdsson being the most consistent midfielder from beginning to the end of this season so far, John. I think you and I want to say Neil Thurman have said that he's been the most uh, – you know, the most valuable asset in, in uh, fantasy soccer this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I think it's, uh, he is amazing. There's never a weekend where I pick him that he doesn't do exactly what I want him to do. There's never a weekend when I don't pick him when he doesn't uh, exceed expectation. If you go down and you look at, I mean, this last little six match run is, is a perfect uh, microcosm. A goal against Liverpool, a goal and an assist against Southampton, a goal against City, an assist in three straight against Leicester, Chelsea, and Burnley. Like, what else do you want this man to do? Like, just buy him, stick him in your lineup. If you can, if you can trade for him, trade for him. Um, the Swans here have a fantastic run of fixtures. They have Hull, Bournemouth, and Borough in their next three. 
I'm not worried about that Spurs match at home because Gilfie does it against everybody. And then it's West Ham, Watford, Stoke. Like that's every match that he has between now and the end of April. I, I mean, I would overpay for him in a draft league if somebody was coming at me and they were asking like in a two for one and where I get him back and, and they were asking for, I don't know, something fairly astronomical, maybe like an injured Danny Rose plus like a, a quality midfielder in like the like, what's Victor Moses. There? Yeah, well, I definitely I would give Victor Moses and Danny Danny Rose and Victor Moses for. Pedro. When Danny Rose is oh, healthy, I would give Victor Moses and Danny Rose for Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, I'm yeah, not sure like maybe anybody even like... would give those two for Gilfie, though. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Sorry, I, I wouldn't I give Gilfie. I was for trying that. to determine what, what line he was trying to draw here. I, I shot <laughs> low first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you um, think, before you go any further, do you think Spurs are better, would be better with Sigurdsson instead of Erickson? Oh, God. I mean, they've I think tried that. that I think, yeah, they did try it. I think that Sigurdsson is a better player than Christian Eriksson. Um, I wonder if... Do you think he has to be the best player on his team? No, but I think that his skill set probably overlaps most with Della Ali in that Tottenham side. And I don't think that we've seen that side be successful where Eriksson tries to become Della Ali. I mean, you know, even when he hits his 10 goals, Eriksson's largely getting it done from free kicks. And I would point that out too. Like, I mean, Gilfie does have a pretty decent free kick, yeah. um, but it's, um, I don't think it's like for like there. I mean, I think that Gilfie's distribution is not quite what Eriksson's is, but I think his, his prowess on the ball is ability to beat a man on the dribble and then certainly his finishing. Um, and th- that sort of tenacity that he has in going for goal, uh, it yeah. really makes him... It makes him very unique. I mean, he's yeah. he's probably my favorite non-Liverpool player. I think the key factor between Eriksson and Sigurdsson would be the the fitness factor that you need for to play in Pochettino's system. I don't want to underestimate that. Sigurdsson, Your argument is Sigurdsson is not fit? My argument is that Sigurdsson is not he, – he is not as well adept to play the constant pressing style that Pochettino desires. He's played 90 minutes in every match since game but what, week five. But what are the? He's also played as a false nine, which means he doesn't have to get back and play defense. Yeah, but d- he does. not all 90. Not all 90 minutes are the same. Is my point. Oh, I don't. I don't disagree with that. But he's also playing in a team where you can't possibly argue that the defense or the holding midfielders are as good as the lineup that Erickson has behind him. I mean, Erickson has absolutely no obligation to track back either. I mean, he's got Eric Dyer, Musa Dembele, Victor Wanyama, who's been a revelation. I mean, you don't see Erickson, you know, back on the goal line, you know, winning winning headers on corner kicks and, and mixing it up with, you know, wingers coming in from the flank. Um I mean, I'm just, think, I'm just, I'm just saying that that's a. I'm just, I'm not saying that I'm not, I necessarily believe what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that that might be a factor because remember, Tottenham did get rid of Sigurdsson. That's why I brought it up. Oh, is it a Gilfie Sigurdsson revenge game when they play Tottenham? <laughs> when they play, every game is a Gilfie Sigurdsson revenge game. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like he's he's the Aaron Rodgers of the you know he's the Aaron Rodgers of the Premier League. Like every team, Sigurdsson was available to anyone who wanted him. And the only team that took him was Swans took him back. They're not like, even in England. That's right. That's phenomenal, though. I mean, think about that. Gilfie Sigurdsson was literally available to any team that wanted him. And they all went, meh, let him go back to Swans. 
on the Burnley side, uh, Paul Robinson did play well enough, I guess, in uh, in place of Tom Heaton getting five saves. So our argument last week, Andrew, of you know whether you'd be more comfortable with Fabianski or Heaton, uh, even if it was Paul Robinson, it, it, it turned to be the Burnley side was the the better side to take from the goalkeeper's perspective. Um, I do want to move on though because we are starting to run out of show here. Uh, Watford did uh, take on Southampton. It was a seven-goal thriller uh, with uh, Southampton barely edging out Watford four to three. Uh, Andrew and I. I'm sorry. Uh, the the, the seven goals of it yeah. or the Southampton winning part of it. The seven goals. Yeah. Um, okay. Can you guess? Uh, what our over under was, John, for Manolo Gabbiadini's goal score for the rest of the season when he joined Southampton? Five and a half. Hmm, see, we weren't That's crazy. De- yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It we said we set it at five. He's at four. <sighs> I mean. That's not a terrible number. I probably would have said it closer to like seven and a half because I had no question in my mind that he was going to come in and immediately become the starting striker uh, in that in that team. I don't even mean a forward. I mean, he's he's pretty far up the pitch when he plays. He's he's an out and out poacher. Um, obviously, his conversion rate's not sustainable. But at the end of the day, he's going to get 18 some odd chances. I think he's you know, he's perfectly capable of scoring in at least one in three. So give him the odd extra goal. Yeah. I'd probably put it somewhere around seven, seven and a half. And, uh, Andrew, you remember when you said you would never roster Dusan Tadic? Yes. I, and I'm going to maintain that this is what we saw last weekend is ridiculous and will never happen again. John, do you agree or disagree? Cause I had 38.5 points on my bench. Oh, Dude, I, I left Marco Arnautovic and Nathan Redmond on my bench, and I think you both know how much I adore Nathan Redmond. I and do too. When Juan Mata started, I dropped Arnautovic in one league and Redmond in another league to make space for Juan Mata, and it wouldn't have mattered in either match, but it's just like, yeah, I, I love that Southampton midfield like children. Like they are, they're phenomenal. And when Sofian Buffal is healthy and you can actually run out like Redmond and Buffal and Tadic, theoretically three flat back behind uh, Gabbiadini, I think that team's going to be, they're, they're definitely going to challenge for, you know, that, that top sixth spot. I love Sofian Buffal as well. So you're not going to get any arguments from me. In 12 minutes, he was electric. <laughs> he was absolutely electric in this game, and he did pick up an assist. Um, but on the on the Watford side, I mean, these are the names that you would probably see scoring: Dini and Okaka, um, I, I, and Herelio Gomez still winding up with positive points, uh, scoring more points than Lucas Fabianski, for example. Even though he let up four goals uh, with seven saves, which I think was fascinating. Hey, you remember when we thought Fraser Forrester was a uh, sorry Fraser Forrester was any good? He was good at once. Like, like he's just—is it just me or is he completely dropped off the face of the fantasy earth? I think it's a tough combination of the fact that they don't allow a lot of shots, and he's obviously not stopping as many. So, um. It just seems like a long time since we had that 11-save shutout of Arsenal, right? Was that this season? That was last season. Yeah, right. Before he got hurt. Right. Yeah, it's just... Uh, but I think they just don't allow a ton of shots, so he's just not going to get that many opportunities. I mean, he he's made one save in three straight games. Yeah. Here's an awful stat. He has fewer saves than West Ham's Darren Randolph. Mm-hmm. 
Forster has 42. Randolph has 47. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you, that, that, that kind of doubles back on the um, discussion we were having earlier about David De Gea. I mean, well, it's 54. Yeah, that's not, not right. like he's lighting the world on fire either. And no, I, I think in comparison, not. I think Tom Heaton has 105. <laughs> but I mean, that kind of goes into Forster a little bit too, because Forster only trails David De Gea by one clean sheet. Forster's got nine. De Gea has 10. And then you look at where Forrester's coming in. He's not a bad goalkeeper. He's got 87 points. I mean, 87 points is two less than Czech. It's three less than Grant. It's it's nine less than David De Gea, which when you spread that out over you know the course of a season, that's a half a point a week, I mean, less than half a point a week to where we are at this point. So, I mean, I, I'm perfectly comfortable owning him. You just have to come to terms with the fact that you're never going to get like a 12-point day from him. And, and also that you should never take too much stock in goalkeepers. Uh, we, we've talked way too much goalkeeper talk already. Uh, I apologize. I apologize already. Uh, anything to take away from a Watford side of me? I, I've said to Andrew last week that Troy Deeney has, you know, really start to, to show himself again in a goal-scoring form. Um, do, do, are you seeing something different from Watford, John? Or is it just, uh, you know, Troy Deeney is too good to be in a slump for that long? I don't even think he was in a slump. I mean, one of the fun things about playing in draft leagues or playing in you know daily fantasy, where you see these scores that are that are coming in based on uh, a player's total contribution, Troy Deeney has been perfectly fine. Uh, you know, he's never fallen really outside of the top ten in forwards. He's ninth right now in Taga scoring. I mean, he has 281 total points. He's averaging uh, 10.41 points per week. And for people that don't play. I mean, he only has two less points than Raheem Sterling. He's got 35 more points than Sergio Aguero, and obviously Aguero missed some time. But, you know, that 10, that 10 points per week threshold is where you want to be to be an every week, no doubt, starter. Um, and Dini's never fallen outside of that. So I think that in salary cap games and, and maybe in the back pages, people are treating him with a little bit more respect because he had those, you know, he's had goals in what, five of his last six. He had three on the spin, and, and then it was just United that managed to break him up. But he was doing all the same things. You know, he was he was creating just as many chances when, you know, this side was playing Stoke, West, you know, West Brom and Everton as he was in the last few weeks. It's just nobody was doing anything with it. Yeah. <sighs> all right. I, I've talked enough Watford now. I do want to go on to Crystal Palace because I think that they, you know, this is, again, you know, Big Sam showing himself as far as what kind of manager he is. He's going to take the clean sheet first and goal second. They happen to get a couple of goals in this one. Uh, Wilfred Saha, everyone's favorite Crystal Palace midfielder this season, and the reborn Andros Townsend scoring, and uh, Andrew's favorite, uh, Yoan Kabai, getting another assist. Uh, you never really know what you're going to get with him, huh? Uh, but what we do know what we're going to get is no Christian Benteke goals because, good God, um, I, I still have no idea why he can't score a goal in front of that midfield. <laughs> um, so... So, John, let's start with Benteke here. Let's start with the bad news first and get to the good news for Crystal Palace here. Um, Christian Benteke, not only did he not score or do much offensively, he also picked up a yellow card. So it's just – is he lost? Is he just a man without confidence? I don't understand why he can't score goals in front of that midfield. Yeah, I mean it's got to just be a little bit of a, a little bit of bad luck, right? Because it's been one goal since game week 15. Um is it that he's not taking that many shots? You know, I mean, they're, they're not necessarily getting him a ton of looks, um, but he does have six shots on target in his last five matches just with just the one goal. I don't know. I mean, I think this is sort of what Ben Teke is. You know, I think he's like, um, 
Oh my goodness, and, and his name is escaping me right now. He's he's a lesser version of Darren Bent right now, right? I mean, all Darren Bent used to do was score goals. All Christian Venteke is really sort of credited with is scoring goals. Um, the benefit of uh, the format that you know the three of us playing against each other is Venteke is never really outside of the range of ten points. I mean, he does. To your point earlier, Mike, he wins a ton of aerial duels. He actually leads the Premier League in aerial duels. One, he's got like a hundred more than Peter Crouch. Um, Crouch is in fourth, so. Uh, he's he's consistent week to week. He never has a negative return. I I guess I don't care what his mind state is as long as he keeps doing this. <laughs> but it would be great if um, you know it would be great if he was doing it with a smile so that I you know I, I wasn't worried that uh, or, or or maybe scoring some goals like you know just like get, get, getting the stats that everyone wants to see from their forwards right you know because not everyone's playing Taga like on Taga yeah he's he's getting the peripherals that you're looking for but. You know, for people who have him in the official game or people who for some reason are taking him on, you know, like a like a daily game, I, I don't see why they would. But but I know. guess my point there, Mike, is like he's not doing anything except for the end result. He's not really doing anything wrong. And one of these games, you know, he's going to pop and he's going to have a brace in back to back matches. And then one hundred and eighty thousand people are going to buy him and he's going to do nothing for five straight weeks. But he's going he's gonna to have had those two huge matches where he's going to get two goals each. He's going to get the three full bonus points. You know, somebody's going to, you know, some small five, six percent is going to have captained him. Because the one thing about Benteke is he does it when you expect him to. You know, he doesn't go out, he doesn't have a Jamie Vardy day and go out, you know, hit a hat trick against Man City and a brace against Liverpool and then like barely turn up at the ground against Burrow. Like Christian Benteke is a flat track bully. He gets it done when you want him to. And, and I like the predictability in when his points get scored. Did you just refer to him as a flapjack bully? Uh, uh, he's he's bigly. He's a huge oh, bully. Okay. Okay. He's a flat track bully. Flat track. Sorry, I thought I thought I thought you said flapjack. I'm like, who bullies a, a stack of flapjacks? <laughs> I mean, basically anybody. <laughs> yeah, literally anybody. I just now. All right, that's just two expressions I've never heard before. All right, then. I like how you uh, gave Christian Menteke credit for. For getting peripheral stats when he's really just getting one of them. Peripheral stat, I said. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> You're getting him for a peripheral stat. Yes. Which anyway, costs, uh, which is valued at half a point each. <laughs> All right, Andrew, the West Brom, your favorite attacking force. Uh, yeah. Tony Pulis led side. Yeah. Uh, you know, no Matt. Is it no Matt Phillips? Is that the problem? Uh, sure. It seems it seems to coincide perfectly with their struggles. That all of a sudden, when they have to rely more on Nasser Chadley, they are unable to get the ball in the net. So yes, I'd I'd be very happy to blame Phillips's absence, even though his conversion rate was well unsustainable. Well, I mean, I'm not, I think anyone who's counting on Matt Phillips for goals is fooling themselves. Fair. Matt Phillips is, is a crossing man. Fair. He well, he was that way with QPR, and he continued to be that way under West Brom so um you know it's I just you know West Brom you know when they were at seventh in the table like every you know the drop had to come at some point right and as soon as I, I think I said this when they got to 40 points and I said cue the collapse like you know Tony Pula's led side gets the 40 points the sandals come on they start going to the beach right I mean they're in eighth it's not like they've fallen to 13th you know like they're still perfectly fine give it time they've got a five-point lead on Stoke for eighth so Two weeks. <laughs> well, I guess Stoke could make it up. They could get to 38 tomorrow if uh, they shock the world. But no, I think, I mean, 
I don't. I'm not sure the the West Brom fantasy options change all that much. Whether they're, you know, not playing to win or whatnot. I mean, you're you're taking Chris Brunt and Phillips for their peripherals, and if you're really desperate enough and taking Ron down, it's for the goal. And I'm not sure that changes at all. Fair. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna let you two duke this one out, and I'll have the victor uh, to the victor to the spoils. Uh, uh, so. John Liverpool scoring thrice Arsenal for Andrew scoring once. Uh, so, uh, so John, I'll let you take first crack at actually breaking down this game. I'll try to stay out of this one as much as possible uh, to let the two combatants actually talk about it and see if there's any kind of takery that's going on here. This is exactly what Liverpool are, what Liverpool does. This is exactly who Arsenal are. And this is exactly what Arsenal does. Like Liverpool played their tactics. Arsenal refuses to bend to their tactics. And this team is exactly set up to annihilate squads like Arsenal. Um, I, I tweeted before this match, we're going to win 4-1. Uh, we're going to go 4-0-0 in our next four matches. And then we're going to take six points from the next five games. Like, I don't have any reason to disagree with that right now. Um, Firmino is who he is. He's phenomenal when he's um, allowed to have that little bit of extra possession and, and that pace in the break. Mane's first touch is just incredible and is clearly back after AFCON. Um, and you look at what Coutinho did and, and the fact that he didn't score in this match, I think he lost a little bit of, you know, had a little bit of the sheen taken off of him. Um, but I would argue Coutinho might have been the best Liverpool player in that game. Um, it's... It's what they do. They're going to come out. They're going to they're going to destroy Burnley in this game. Uh, you know, they've been hearing nothing except they are terrible against bottom half clubs, and not that Burnley's a bottom half club, but they probably should be. Uh, and then they're going to go to City, and they're going to beat City. Uh, and there, there's going to be plenty of points to be had. This team has no rotation risk. They have plenty of rest. Um, you know, smarter minds than mine have gone back and looked at what Liverpool do on on traditional rest under Jurgen Klopp, and they are uh, they're a top two side. Um, I don't think this team has the quality it needs to sustain a title challenge. And I think that this summer we're going to see a change and that next year they'll have, you know, a deeper bench. Um, they'll have a, a better starting lineup, but in the short term, no, I mean, by everybody, they're playing Burnley city and Everton next. They're going to win all three of those games and then they're going to score boatloads of goals. You'll trade, you'll trade out Adam Lallana for Mario Goethe. Well, Lana um, just got a monster new deal, so he's not going anywhere. Well, I'm just saying in the starting lineup, would you rather have Goethe or Adam Lallana? Yeah, I mean, I think you would clearly rather have Goethe in, in there. I mean, provided those fibers in his thigh are not permanently torn, which is the <laughs> grossest thing I read the other day. Um, Sorry about that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's um, it, it's this, the sort of the spine of this team. I mean, Georgina Wijnaldum is probably the only player from that middle three that survives. Um, he's probably the only player from that middle three that deserves to survive. Um, as good as James Milner's been in, in this sort of ask me role of, of going and playing and, you know, as wing back, they need a proper defender. And frankly, Milner is not fast enough to play, um, to play. Emmerich Chan is, is shown. He's, you know, he's not as consistent as he needs. And, and probably the bigger problem is that he appears to have plateaued as a player. You know, I think everybody thought that the player he is today, which is, is the same player he was two years ago, was sort of this, um, you know, this, this wonderkind and, you know, this sort of sparkling example of what, you know, German football is going to be. And, and he was going to grow into maybe being like a Javi Lonzo type, but he's, he's shown no inkling of doing that. I'll let you, um, I don't know, have a funeral dart for, uh, for Arsenal now. 
Uh, they did a great job today in their Champions League match to make everybody forget about this loss because, man, 3-1 seems pretty good um, before losing 10-2 on aggregate. Uh, the Alexis situation is a mess. They're going to end up losing him for nothing. And the team, this team sucks. I hate everybody on the team. I hope they get relegated. And unfortunately, I think they're already safe. But... Um, <laughs> They're going to finish 7th or 8th. I hope that West Brom gets ahead of them, and then maybe I'll just switch to West Brom next year. You mean when after – is that before or after Tony Pulis becomes the next permanent manager of Leicester? Of what? Oh, oh God, I hope not. Um, <clears throat> no, I don't – there's nothing to take away. F- like, this game – if you talk to any reasonable person, uh, this game ended up how it should have, like – one side is significantly better than the other is playing much better than the other. And there, you know, I didn't, we, we didn't learn anything about Arsenal from this match other than Arsene Wenger seems to have completely lost it. Wenger out was the champ before the Bayern Munich game. And he yeah. did nothing to save himself. Nothing. All right. We have two more games to go. Let's hop to them. Uh, Manchester city, uh, not surprisingly two nil victors over Sunderland. Uh, Sergio Aguero and Leroy Sané getting the goals with Sterling and Silva. Hey, St- Silva got a stat that actually we can count mm-hmm. um, uh, with the assists. So nice, nice big names on the Manchester City side. Uh, like I referenced before, Fabio Barini had an excellent chance to make it one mil for Sunderland. Uh, he did not. And that's when it all kind of fell apart on either side of halftime when Manchester City scored both of their goals. Was that Would that uh, have been a, a Defoe fantasy assist? It is, no, right? Because it's not a pass. No, a fantasy assist. Oh, a fantasy assist. I think it is, right? Off the woodwork and then the goal scored? Yes, yes. Hmm. You should always encourage the getting of points, Andrew. I agree, always. especially when they are for things that actually happened. Are you implying that fouls don't actually happen? No, I'm saying those actually happen. I'm saying you should get your points for drawing fouls. Not for taking a shot and having it bounce off the woodwork and have Fabio Barino put it home. Or not. It might as well be a chance uh, created, yeah. (laughs) What a chance he set up. That is clearly defined as a pass. (laughs) Anyway, I don't want to talk about it. It's not a pass. Stop. We've We've closed this book. We've moved on to the next one. Uh, Willie Caballero, uh, three-save shutout. Looks like... uh, Looks like Claudio Bravo is doing great. Um, Jordan Pickford, five saves, which is nice, but even though he let up two goals. But um, is this Kolarov at center back thing? You know, is that is is this just a placeholder until they get some people back, uh, John? Or is this like is this what you see actually happening here? They have people back. Otamendi was was back on the bench and fit to play, and they didn't. Um, so, I mean, I think it could be it's certainly he's had more starts at center back than left back this year yeah i'm less i'm also like i don't like this city defense i'm not investing in them in in the official game like they cost a ton of money they don't score points and i don't like manchester city so sort of like i mean at least in terms of like be their ability to keep clean sheets and do anything and there's so much attacking potential in this team that like why would you waste any of your roster spots on on any of these guys? Like Kolarov at five point eight million isn't a discount. Like you're overpaying for the seventy seven points that he's produced. So 
a more interesting question. I apologize for that terrible question. Um, it was an awful question. It, it really was. Uh, if in, in a Taga format in any league, if Kelechi Iannaccio was on the waiver wire, would you pick him up? No, I've been actively dropping him. Interesting. So, I mean, Andrew and I, we've talked about this. Like, they have a, a run of fixtures coming up here, right? And you know, Sergio Aguero hasn't really shown the propensity to stay healthy. Um, so, I, I guess what you're saying here is that – so, let's just say Aguero was not to start for some reason. You do not think that Kalechi Iannaccio would get the next minutes at center forward? He might, but I think he's going to get pulled really fast because one the one thing that I think is is – really interesting here is that Kevin De Bruyne has been dropped, you know, for Leroy Sané and they have a quintet of midfielders that they're perfectly happy with and they want to run out there every time. And then that's anchored by Yaya Torre and Fernandinho. And then that's Sterling and Silva. And we used to think it was KDB. Now it might be Sané, but at the very least, both of those guys are ahead of, uh, of Kelechi in the, in the, I think in Pep's sort of power ranks and there's no reason why, you know, Raheem Sterling can't slot in and be a forward. There's no real reason why Leroy Sané can't slot in and be a forward. Um, I don't think De, it's De Bruyne's like best position. And I think he's sort of, he struggled when he was handed that role earlier, but no, I mean, I don't, I definitely, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not paying, you know, I'm not paying asking for him. Um, if somebody else picks him up off the waiver wire now and then Aguero gets hurt. Because he's he's just not going to produce. And so and and Andrew, you know, are you worried about Kevin De Bruyne's place going forward long term? Uh, I'm not. I'm not willing to say that like he's completely lost his spot to Sane only because we've seen we've seen them play together. It's more of this figuring out how much they want to play Yaya Torre and Fernandinho together. I mean, given his physical stature and age, I can't imagine that Yaya Torre is going to start every game from now on. So he's actually the one I I would be less confident about in keeping a starting spot than Kevin De Bruyne. He started 11 straight and he's got 90 minutes in eight of them. I know. And I think that's the problem. I think at some point he, he won't be able to keep doing that. I mean, in fairness, like De Bruyne has started every game, since December other than this last one and they they happen to have a midweek match so I mean it could have been just as easily a one-off rest oh I think I think it absolutely was a one-off rest uh, but I guess my larger point there is b- b- whether it's Leo Asani or KDB or David Silva or Raheem Sterling those guys are all going to find a spot in the starting lineup and be productive in it well before I mean it uh, there's no way I pronounce um, Kalechi's last name at this hour, but like, there's like they're all going to be more productive, and I'd rather own any of them, and I'd rather pay the premium and use up the midfield spot than than roster the other player. Yeah, I agree with, with that. I'm. I thought we were saying De Bruyne was well, no longer worth it. Well, I mean, well for De Bruyne, I mean, well because my my point is this, right? Um, unless you think about you know changing from a 4231 to like a 4141 type of formation where you only have one anchoring midfielder um, you know absent of that I, I think this this combination of Silva uh, Sterling and Sane uh, have shown that they are lethal uh, that's just that's the only way I can put it they, they, they work very well in the system that Pep wants to play 
And if you're only going to go with those three, it's only three in the attacking midfield, unless De Bruyne can do one of two things, play a holding midfield role or somehow make Pep change the formation. Which he does. I mean, he does that all the time. He does what all the time? Changes formation. Yes, I understand that. But I, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if De, if, if De Bruyne is the first midfielder out, for example, you know, because th- th- this could mean that he may play less minutes going forward too if he starts. Because if they, you know, presumably they should take the lead in most instances, and then they might take two two anchoring midfielders instead of one, which means that De, Bru- De Bruyne would be the one to exit most likely. Correct. So you're going to have to ask for production from a very high priced player in fewer minutes than his counterparts. I see what you're saying. I I disagree that he. I mean. If you were implying he's the first one out in terms of not starting, no, not starting, but it's like being being substituted out. So he has to do it in sixty versus ninety. Um, yeah, I still don't, I still don't have that much of a concern about that. It okay. happens rarely enough where he's. I mean, sixty. It just he he plays more than that. I think it's really Fernandinho the one who's going to be moved around, oh. and we've seen him at like right back. So like I yep. think the, the they'll they figure out a way to get these guys on the field that. The lineup itself is not really all as much as fluid as we think it is. He's the Lucas Leva of Manchester City. He'll be playing center back by no, by uh, noon next week. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to the last game. Uh, well, the last game uh, that was the Monday game. I, technically, there's one more game to go tomorrow, but we will just we won't count it. Uh, West Ham one, Chelsea two. Yawn. Eden Hazard made a, made, a, made a great goal on the counter. Yawn. Diego Costa was in the right place at the right time. Yawn. Cesc Fabregas got an assist. And Yawn. Pedro was at it again. Just the usual suspects. Same, you know, just basically same names, different week. Uh, and then for West Ham, Manuel Lanzini from Andre Ayu. Sorry, I got that guy. I temporarily got Jordan and Andre Ayu confused for a second. Um, of course, Thibaut Courtois, zero save, zero shutout. Um, that, that, that was a real gut punch to anyone who actually wanted the Chelsea defense to get clean sheet points, uh, the, the, the late Lanzini goal. Uh, but Darren Randolph scoring zero points. And basically this game was about two or three moments, and that's all that Chelsea need at this point. Right, Andrew? Yep. This is a perfect example of they are who we thought they were, and... We let them off the hook. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I, I guess Lanzini's goal was a bit surprising. It obviously it came like two minutes into stoppage time, so Chelsea were close to that clean sheet. But yeah, we. I mean, I guess the only thing that that is that we're getting out of this is that Cesc Fabregas is playing a lot more than we kind of had anticipated. But with the way he's playing, uh, I don't see any reason for Nemanja Matic to be you know get this spot back anytime soon. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one, and then um, yeah, it, it really I really don't want to overanalyze this game because I'm a Chelsea fan. But it, I mean, ten points clear at this time of the year, they probably should take this one all the way in for the championship. Um, I'm feeling comfortable saying that publicly now. But um, for Chelsea, I mean, I, I mean, John, do you see any flaw or any weakness that you know that they're susceptible in terms of any kind of fantasy value dipping? Anyone on Chelsea, though, I mean. No, I mean, I, I guess just from rotation. So if you want to rule out Nemanja Matic and Willian and say that this is going to be Conte's team for the run-in, then 
I mean, they're all nailed on, you know, starters. You know, you just want to pick and choose a little bit carefully and, you know, who you take. Um, I guess I'm, I'm not surprised that Fabregas is in this position. But we've been, you know, we've been waiting for this to happen. I mean, on a permanent basis, he's been the best player in the Premier League. Uh, he just needed to be given regular playing time to see if he could carry that over, and, and he has. So I don't know why Conde would drop him. Um, that said, these 2-1 victories kind of look like they're going to be the norm in that 11-match run uh, of clean sheets or that, you know, nine match run of clean sheets and, and the 13 total that Courtois has, he might only get four or five more. And if he's only getting four or five more then in salary cap, David Luiz is all but useless. Um, Gary Cahill's is not far behind him. Marcos Alonso obviously still has some value. Um, all those values tick up considerably if, if you're playing in a draft or, you know, in a cash game, but this may be the the last swan song of selling high on Chelsea's defense. And if you're chasing the pack and you think that you can capitalize and, you know, see Alonzo out the door and, and get back in somebody that has a, you know, or two players in that have a better chance of helping you win uh, while Chelsea are, you know, salting away wins, but conceding late goals, then I, you know, I, I would take that opportunity now while you still can. Yeah. Very, very, very fair. Um, I think also Chelsea, the only team to ever give Andy Carroll a bloody face. Uh, he's hurt everything else on his body, but uh, I, I, that's the first time I've ever seen that on Andy Carroll. But uh, Dr. John, thank you so much for joining us. I do want you to make us smarter on just one more piece of information before you go. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. There are empty games. This next week is a really big empty game week uh, potential. What do you do to, uh, you know, are, do you err on the side of making sure you have enough players to start a full team or do you err on the side of making sure you keep your best players on your roster no matter what, even if it means starting one fewer player for a week? Yeah, I like to do both. So I will, I will make sure that I have at least eight players um, because I think that eight is, uh, you know, from three years of draft now, eight year eight is about where people are able to get to on a, on a really short week like this. And you guys can correct me, but I don't ever remember there being a five match week in the last 10 years of, of playing FPL. Um, I will take a massive point hit this week in the official game. Um, I mean, kind of just for fun <laughs> and make sure that I'm running out of team, uh, primarily, uh, primarily Liverpool, Everton players. Um, but you know, some of those, some of those players like, um, Hulls, um, Krasicki as well. I think this is a really good opportunity for people to reassess their squads and sort of shore up where they have those weaknesses by taking a chance on, on some of those players. So Mike and Andrew, I mean, I know you guys uh, hype differentials too, and, and you look at ownership percentage, but, you know, go in and look at, you know, Martin Olson's ownership percentage or Alfie Mawson's ownership percentage as defenders for Swansea, you know, go in and look at Luciano Narsing's uh, ownership percentage um, for Everton, you know, take a careful look and see, you know, who you want to, who you want to add there because there's going to be value. Um, yeah, pick up, pick up Josh King for 5.5 and, and slot him in over Matt Phillips, you know, as particularly as, as West Brom is playing, but it looks like Phillips isn't going to be able to recover. Um, I think all those are good moves and I don't think that you regret taking the four point hit. Um, and I, I don't think in a draft league, you regret dropping somebody like a Nemanja Matic to pick up, uh, somebody like Rosicki, because I think the, you know, the newer, the whole city players can have more points moving forward anyway. And I'm sorry to be uh, such a down note on that, but it's just like when I look at this slate, it's just like 
it's really it's a grind to make sure that you have a starting 11. I'm looking at the league that you guys play in with me, and right now my roster is set up with whew, my roster has one, two, three, five, five, five guys in it, and uh, I'm counting myself pretty lucky that I that I have five guys in it. And you know, it's like, it, so do you drop uh, do you drop Fabio, who's been outstanding to pick up? Somebody I've dropped just him twice. Play? I've dropped him twice in that league. Have you really? Yeah. Something I think like I've that. probably picked him up both times, which means I've dropped him twice. <laughs> or once. Or once. Just sandwiched in between my two. Either way. Either way. I, I, I mean, I have eight players currently in my lineup, and that's including Tom Heaton, who has a potential late fitness test with an, with an illness. Like, it's not like it uh... – What's the test on that? You think they just they bring out, like, Galama or something, and they're are like, you, here, are, if you can keep are, this down, you can play? It's two things. It's two things. Do you have uh, explosive diarrhea or do you have uh, projectile vomiting? Do you, if the answer is no to both of those, you play. It's like city pool rules. Like you may not go into the pool if you've been projectile vomiting or if you have active diarrhea. I'm sorry. I, I misheard. I, I eventually heard you say city pool. That's just not what I heard you say at first. <laughs> Something that rhymes with city pool, but mm-hmm. not city. That's kind of on the topic of what we're saying that you can't bring into the city pool. Oh and on that city subject, we are going to end this episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For Dr. John, uh, for Andrew, I have been Mike Gottlieb. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you. Maybe we'll talk to you later to uh, preview this four or this four week weekend, four game weekend slate. Uh, maybe we'll just write something about it. Who knows? You'll find out later this week. We'll be on the next time for the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. These endings are getting worse, Andrew. I'm sorry. So <laughs> keep all this in there, but these are getting worse. Yeah, they are. <laughs> My God. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.